But yeah, it's, it's great to be back with you all. Uh, I've been gone, I've been on tour for uh, about five weeks or so, and so this is my first Sunday back, and uh, wouldn't you know it, I'm, I'm right up here. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's good, I'm, I'm glad to be back with you guys. I came home a little bit sick, I got a little bit of a cough, so bear with me a little bit this morning. Hopefully I won't cough and, and blow, you, blow your ears out of your, out of your head or anything like that. I, 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 I'm praying, I'm praying that uh, we'll be smooth sailing, but uh, on this last tour, uh, it, was, it was really good. Um, uh, one of the shows, uh, we played in Fresno towards the end of the tour, and, and it was cool because my parents got to come out to the show. They live in San Luis Obispo area, and they, got to dri- they drove a couple hours to come out, and um, it was great. We got to get dinner beforehand, spend some time with them. I don't get to see them too often since they're, they're a little, little, little ways away. Um, so after we got dinner, um, it was a sold-out show in a pretty small, pretty small room. Imagine a room kind of smaller than Hope Hall, pretty small, and it was packed out. And so instead of making them kind of stand way in the back, I said, hey, why don't you stand on the side of the stage? That way you kind of have a better, a little bit better of a view. You can kind of see things a little bit clearer. So um, when we started the set, uh, they were standing on the side, and, and I remember they were kind of tucked away behind some equipment, so it was a little bit hard to, to see them. So, you know, I'd look over, and I would, wouldn't really see them too much, but... Um, I remember, I have this vivid picture in my head. I remember in the middle of one of the songs, I remember looking over and I, I saw my dad. And I saw my dad and, and he was looking straight at me. And uh, he had the biggest smile on his face. He was, you could tell he was just, he was loving it. Um, loving every moment. And uh, it was in that moment that I looked over and, and saw him. I, I knew that my dad was for me. That, that he loves me and that he was on my side. He wants the best for me. And that picture that I got of my dad is, is a picture that we, have, that we can use for our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father views us the same way. He is for us. He loves us. And he is on our side. And this morning in our text in Matthew, we're gonna, we're gonna, that's one of the things that Jesus wants us to see. That God is for us. That, that God has our best interests in mind. And that truth is foundational to the, the other points that we're going to see this morning. And so for the, for the past several weeks, if you haven't been with us, uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. It is perhaps the most well-known sermon in human history. And, and throughout this sermon so far, Jesus has he's touched on many different ways that we are called to live. From the Beatitudes, to being salt and light, to teachings on worrying and judging that we looked at last week. Jesus has been painting a picture for the way we are supposed to live. And in our text this morning, we'll see Jesus continue to paint that picture of what our lives should look like as his followers. And then in the, the last two verses, we'll see Jesus start his concluding, summarizing remarks of what he's been saying as a whole throughout this sermon. And to break it down a little bit further, I think we're gonna, we're gonna look at three, three main thoughts in our text this morning. We'll see Jesus talk about our relationship with God, our Father, through prayer. And this is where, when we'll see that Jesus wants us to know that God is for us. And that is going to be the key to the other two sections that we're going to look at. Because once we see that God is for us, Jesus will also show us that our relationship with God should be reflected in our relationships with the people around us. And then lastly, he'll give us an image of what the Christian life looks like as a whole. As always, the awesome thing about Jesus is that we don't just have his words to live by, we have examples from his life to look at. And so if, if we can, in our own lives, 
begin to realize that God is for us and that out of that, reflect what Jesus says and does, we will be a generous, godly influence to the world around us. So let's take a look at the text. We're in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 14 this morning. In the Pew Bible, it's page 679. And if you don't have a Bible or if you know someone that needs one, you feel free to take the Bible that's in the Pew. So Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, as we can see, there's a lot here. I think the easiest way to engage these verses, as I said, is to break it out up into three sections. And in the first one, Jesus talks about our relationship with God through prayer. I'm just going to reread, starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him. <coughs> Excuse me. I feel like a whole sermon could really be given on these five verses here because there, there's so much packed in there. And at first glance, we might read this and we might think that this is almost like a prosperity gospel type, type of message. Ask for whatever you want and then poof, God, kind of like a magic genie, will give you whatever you ask for. But that, that's not the heart of what Jesus is saying here. I don't think it's inherently wrong for us to ask for things of God. But how do we ask for things without thinking of him as like a genie? And we do that by thinking of, of God as our father, as a good father, a loving father. And the text says if we as humans, being by, by our very nature evil, can give good gifts to our children, how much more will our father in heaven be able to give us good gifts to those who ask. And see, that's the heart of this passage here, is Jesus wants to know, wants us to know and remember that God is for us. Like any good father to his kid, God is for us. And I'm very fortunate to have a great dad, a dad that reflects this very well. And I've, had, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of moments in my life like the one that I, I ta- told you about earlier. And if you had a good dad, I hope that you have a picture in your head of a a memory where you knew that he was for you. Because that's a picture of our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is for us. And we should think of God like that, as a loving dad that's for us. And if you didn't have a good dad, I am so sorry. 
That's not what God intended. And that is not the kind of dad that God is. And if you've been hurt by your earthly dad, I pray that you, you might be able to, to find healing and restoration through our heavenly dad this morning. And if we can grasp that truth, that God is for us, that he has our best interests in mind, it should shift the way that we read those first two verses this morning, where it says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We aren't asking a genie. We're asking a good heavenly father, our good heavenly father. But you may be thinking, well, I, I know that I'm not asking a genie. I know that I'm asking God, our father, but a lot of times when I ask God for things, it doesn't happen. And see, that, that's the difference. A good father knows when to say no. In the example that we have in the text, a son asks for bread and for fish. Food, things that were necessary in this day and age for survival. But if the son had asked for a poisonous snake, would the dad be a good dad if he had given it to him? No, I mean, exactly the opposite. I mean, have you ever been at, at the store and you've, you've seen, there's, just, there's one kid that's just going nuts. He's asking his parents for everything. He's, can I have this candy? Can I have this toy? Can I have this soda? And, and what are you thinking? Man, this kid is being crazy. He's asking, I mean, he's asking for everything but the kitchen sink. And I know that you're watching because I do the same thing. I know you're watching to see how the parents react, what the parents do. And, and what's going to be, what's going what's to be the key to you to tell you whether or not you think that they're good parents or not? Whether they give in to their kid. Whether they say, fine, here's the candy, even though it's, it's probably not the best thing for them. And see, a good parent knows when to say yes and when to say no. And that's because parents can see the bigger picture that kids can't see. Kids don't understand that if they eat 10 candy bars, they're going to get a stomachache. They're not going to feel very good. Good parents know that if, if they buy their kids whatever they want, their kids are not going to learn the opportunity to save, the opportunity to have responsibility and the opportunity to appreciate what they do have. Jesus shows us in this text that the same principle applies to our Heavenly Father. At times in our lives, it's really hard for us to see the big picture. When things go wrong or, or our prayers seemingly go unanswered, at times we can, we can get frustrated or even mad at God. But Jesus assures us that God is for us, that he is a good, good father. And so like a good parent with their kids, God can see the whole picture of our lives and so he knows when it's best to say yes, when it's best to say no, and when it's best for us to wait. If we can believe that to be true, then we'll know that God has a perfect plan for us in our lives amidst any kind of adversity or any kind of things that, that aren't seemingly going our way. So Jesus wants us to know God is for us, that he loves us, and he's a better father than even the best earthly father. If we believe this, it should change the way that we pray. Those, verses, those first few verses, ask, seek, knock. This should change the way that we pray. Now the words used in the original language here 
doesn't just say to ask once and then give up. It's not just a one-time thing. It's actually keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And so maybe in your life, maybe you've just begun to pray for healing for yourself or for somebody in your life. Keep praying. Or maybe you're, you're praying that somebody that you know, and maybe your family or friend, would come to, to know Jesus and start following him. Keep praying. That's what Jesus is encouraging us to do. Because our God is for us, and he has our best interests in mind. So this should give us confidence to approach the Lord with our requests, and not just ask once, but keep asking. And that's the mystery of this life, that we, ha- we somehow we have a sovereign Lord that is in control, and yet we have free will. God knows what we need, but he wants us to ask in faith. And for whatever reason, God gives us the opportunity to talk to him, to ask, to seek, to knock. And we call this prayer. We are the children of the king of kings. And we've been given the opportunity to approach our loving heavenly father who is for us through prayer. And like Pastor Chris talked about last week, Prayer helps reorient us out of this anxious, worrying place and into one where we are wholly dependent on God. Through spending time with God in prayer, we can be empowered to have a godly influence on the world around us. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus gets his empowerment from the Father. Jesus spends extended time with God right before he goes on his three-year ministry, right in the middle of it, and right before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then throughout his entire ministry, we see Jesus consistently getting away or foregoing sleep in order to spend time with the Father. It's no doubt that Jesus knew that his Father was for him. But even still, Jesus knew that he had the responsibility to spend time with his father in prayer. Because Jesus knew that's where he got his empowerment from. And so Jesus was intentional about protecting and seeking out that time alone with God. And if Jesus needed time with the father for empowerment, then golly gee whiz, we definitely need that time with the father. So in in this first section, we've seen that God is for us And we've also seen that we have a responsibility to pray, to be asking, seeking, and knocking in the same way that Jesus did during his ministry. In the second section of the text this morning, we'll see that 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 relationship with God through prayer empowers us to love others the way that God loves us. Let's look back at verse 12. It says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And that first word is important, so. Some translations use the word therefore, and you know what happens when the word therefore is there, right? You ask, what is the therefore, therefore, right? <laughs> the word so is, is the same thing. It doesn't have its own little catchphrase, but it's, it, it has the same effect. The word so is there, because it, it's tying the two sections together. So, Since God gives us the opportunity to pray and receive good gifts from him because he is for us, out of that, we should treat others the same way. 
First John 4, 19 says that we love because he first loved us. The way that God treats us should affect the way that we treat the people around us in our lives. I mean, those two things go hand in hand. If we believe that God is for us, then we should have the confidence to approach him in prayer. And out of that, if we have the confidence to approach God in prayer, then we can ask God to empower us to have a godly influence on the people around us. And we can do this by showing them the same love that God shows us. And by being for them in the same way that God is for us. Do you see how it's, it's almost supposed to be like a cycle? Where we receive love from God and then we give love to the people around us. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to save us so that it would be possible for us to be in relationship with him. But for many of us, our relationships kind of stop at, at believing. We believe that God did this, that we believe that Jesus died for us, but we, we, we're too busy to have a relationship with him or we don't, we don't commit to, to being in relationship with God. We live for ourselves instead of living for God and living for others. But as followers of Jesus, that's not what we're called to, to do. That's not how we're called to live. The first half is certainly believing. But then out of that believing, we're called into a relationship with God that changes everything in our lives. It changes how we think, how we talk, how we act. Instead of living for ourselves, we live for God. And out of that, we're empowered through God's love for us. We're empowered to love the people that are around us. We're empowered to, to do to others what we would have them do to ourselves. And if I'm honest, I, I'm a selfish person. Under my own will and power, I, I live for myself at the expense of other people. If I'm left to my own sinful nature, I have a negative, selfish impact on the world around me. But when I can ask God to humble me and to help me lay down my, my life and my desires, if I can ask him to empower me to love the people around me in the way that he loves me, I can have a godly influence on the world. But as Jesus says here, and as he demonstrates in his own life, this isn't something that we just ask once and then, then we're good for the rest of our lives. This is something that we're, we're having to constantly ask. Jesus didn't just pray once and then boom, live the perfect life. Jesus was continually asking, continually seeking, continually knocking. And one of the instances of Jesus' life that I think of uh, about is when Jesus is, goes and, and he raises Lazarus from the dead in John 11. Everyone around him is saying, Jesus, why didn't you get here in time? If you got here before Lazarus died, you could have healed him. You could have saved him. And now all the people are just filled with doubt. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And they say, no, it's, it's going to smell. He's been dead for four days. But still, Jesus says, roll the stone away. And then he looks up into heaven and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then Jesus raises Lazarus back to life from the dead. Jesus knew 
<coughs> excuse me, Jesus knew that his father was for him. And he knew that, that his empowerment came from him. And so out of that identity, Jesus was able to have a godly, generous influence on the world around him. And out of God's influence on his life, Jesus was able to have a godly influence to those in his life. And that's how Jesus completely changed the world. And that's what we must pursue in order to live a life like Jesus's. And so we've seen that, that God is for us and that he will give us good gifts if we ask him in prayer. And that out of that relationship with our Heavenly Father, we'll be empowered to treat others the way we would want them to treat us. Piece of cake, right? No, 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 this, this isn't easy. The Christian life that we're called to as followers of Jesus is not easy. And Jesus acknowledges that in this passage, in the last section, starting in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And Jesus acknowledges it's much easier to live a selfish life than a selfless life. I want to flesh out that image that, that, that Jesus gives there. He compares life to, to going through a gate or going down a road through a gate. He says there's this really wide gate and this really big road, but that's the one that leads to destruction. That one's easier to navigate, and most people go that way, but the destination isn't a good one. We don't really use gates in the same way that they used gates back then. There's not a gate in the middle of a wall that we have to go through to get into the city. But a gate that we may have used is the gate to get into a gated community. So I kind of wanted you to think of that. Imagine that we're driving into a gated community, and there's this huge gate. It's, a, it's wider than the 405 freeway. It's just massive. I mean, it's easy to get a car through, right? I mean, you don't even have to think about it. You can... You can go fast, you can go slow, you can swerve. I mean, you could, you could go through it backwards. You could probably do it with your eyes closed. I mean, it takes really no effort to get through, to drive through this huge gate. It wouldn't take any effort whatsoever. And this is what it's like when we live for ourselves rather than living for God. Because it's, it's much easier to live for myself. I can cruise through life not worrying about anything living however I want, doing whatever I want. Sure, I, I'm still going to get through life. I'm still going to drive down the road. But Jesus says, that living, <coughs> Jesus says living that way ultimately leads to destruction. It leads to hell. My life may be a lot easier right now, but when I get to the destination, it's not a good one. Now, think of a gate that's barely wide enough to fit your car through. We're talking barely any space in the sides at all. How would that change the way that you drive? How would that change the way you even approach it? I mean, you would have to be so careful. You have to be a lot more intentional about the way you drive. You'd have to go really slowly. You'd have to be really careful. And you'd, you'd probably have to ask somebody to help. You've got to check all the sides of your car. You might even have to fold the mirrors in. And honestly, you might get some scrapes. You might get some dings. It's not going to be easy to get your car through that tiny, tiny gate. 
people, <coughs> people are probably making fun of you because they're saying, hey, there's this huge gate over here. You could go, go through that with your eyes closed. Why are you going through this, this tiny one? But see that as followers of Jesus, that's, that's, what, that's a picture of what the Christian life looks like. We have to be intentional in our lives. We have to go slow. We, we can't be careless. We have to be careful. We have to be mindful of everything that's going on around us and act accordingly. And we're probably going to get hurt. We're probably going to get some scrapes and some dings. And there will be times that we'll just want to stop, turn around, and, and go, go the other way. We're definitely going to need help. And, and we're going to need community. And that's that's what we're called to as the church, as a community of believers. That's, that's why it's so important for us to, to be a family together. It's a hard road. The narrow road. The narrow gate. It's a hard road, but it's the road that Jesus said leads to life. It's the road we're called to travel as followers of Jesus. We're called to live a mindful life. A life of service in a life pursuing God. And to, to walk through that small gate on the narrow road, we need God's help. To treat others the way that we want to be treated, we need God's help. Thankfully, we have a God that's for us. And when we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. But as we saw in the text today, it starts with us asking Asking for that help. I love the three words Jesus uses here. Ask, seek, knock. Because it doesn't matter where you are in life. God is waiting for you with open arms. You may feel like God is right beside you. You can ask him for help. You may feel like you're in the same house as God, but maybe he's in a different room. Well, you can seek him out for help. Or maybe you feel like you're you're outside the house or you're in a totally different area altogether. Well, you can go and you can knock on that door and he'll open it. It doesn't matter where you are in life. Our God is a good, good father. He's not going to give you a stone. He's not going to give you a snake. God is for you. He loves you. And so may we, out of that glorious truth, Ask him for help. Ask him for what we need. What we need to live. What we need to be a generous, godly influence on the world around us. May we ask him for help. For him to empower us to live and to love the way Jesus did. To love others and treat them how we would want them to treat us. That's how we can have a godly influence, a generous influence on the world around us. It's not easy. Jesus' Jesus's life was anything but easy. But if we want to follow Jesus and live a life like he did, then we're called. We're called to ask for help. It's not an easy road. But as Jesus says, it's the road that leads to life. And it, it'll, it'll, it leads to life now, to true life now, 
but also eternal life to come. And for us this morning, it all starts with asking, seeking, with knocking. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the life that you lived, the example that you give us. Lord, teach us how to do what you did, to live like you did. Even though you were in the very nature of God, you didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Yet taking the form of the lowest person, you humbled yourself even to the point of death on the cross. So teach us, Lord, to lay down our lives, to pick up our cross, and to follow you. Empower us, Lord Jesus. We need you. We confess that on our own, left to our own devices. We live for ourselves. We acknowledge our need for you right now. So we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, fill our hearts, take out anything that's not of you, Replace it with your spirit. May our cups overflow so that we can be a generous influence to the world around us. We ask this in your name. Amen.